great to be here with Ian Marry, manager of Airdrie. Hi there, Ian. How you doing? Good, good. So, how are you getting on with this lockdown? Yeah, uh, like everyone else, adapting uh, to it um, over the weeks, the months, the days. Uh, um, and, you know, now, like everyone else, it's not been working effectively. I'm dying to get back and I've enjoyed the time off. I'm not going to lie and I've yeah. used it to, you know, to really um, do my own stuff, if I'm being yeah. truthfully honest, in terms yeah. of <laughs> getting fit again and getting myself freshened up for uh, what's yeah. going to be a really intense, condensed season for us all. So we need to be going back and make sure we're ready physically yeah. and uh, mentally so we can give it a real full uh, 100% effort. Brilliant, brilliant. So if we go back just to you, probably from you growing up and get into football, how did you get into football? Was it a family thing, just playing with your mates? Or? Yeah, a, quite a, a big mixture. I was brought up in a, in a Hibs household yeah. with my dad. I was at games, you know, a very young age, yeah. uh, three, four years old, going to places like, I remember going to places like Dunfermline, Clyde Bank, so I watched live football from a, a really young age, which really gave me the the bug for it. Um, and it's not like now where everybody's sitting down in nice yeah. seats and all that. You know, I remember sitting on terraces picking grass and yeah. listening to the roars. Or sta- I remember going to a Scotland-England game, actually, when I was eight. And I, I didn't see the game because I was too small. But I was still around the environment, around the vibe. Yeah. Um, you know, going on a supporters bus to Glasgow, standing outside a pub waiting for my dad, going to the brilliant. game, and it was brilliant. And uh, as I say, I didn't see much football. <laughs> but those are the days, isn't it? I always use, you might have seen that uh, quote from Bobby Robson, and he's talking about what you exactly said, you know, when you're walking up the terraces holding your dad's hand, and you hear the yeah. roar, and, and just like, you know, when you fall in love with the game, and that's what it's all about, isn't it, really? So Yeah, uh, you know... <clears throat> that's what it is and you know especially Easter Road the old terrace and at the time you could shift ends um, and get close to one goal get close to the next goal and it was all about your team you didn't have any care in the world for the other team um, you know you wanted to you, you recognised some really good players at the time and all that but I think you probably felt slightly closer to the players back then Um you know, the ball would come in the crowd all the time. Yeah. Ball, ball boys, and you'd hand it back and you would have time for a quick one-liner. You know, yeah. that's gone now, um, really. It's um, gone. But um, that was my sort of interprofessional football, of watching it. Um, and then in terms of playing it, I was... My brother was um, slightly older than me, um, three years. So he, he started playing boys' club before me, but we both started playing at school. Um, then with our friends, all the mean, all the time. I mean, yeah. every night we were out playing. Um, again, slightly changed days. Yeah. Um, and then I started playing boys' club football in Edinburgh, and that was kind of the start of me um, going into football as a, a yeah. myself. Yeah. How you know I've spoken to a lot of people about this kind of you know the street football culture. How you know I suppose probably we all did it growing up with your mates and just playing until you got shouted in for your tea and that. How important do you think that street football and playing with your mates and probably playing with boys older than you was for, you know, learning the game? Yeah, it was hugely important when, when I look back. It was important for lots of different reasons that you don't know at the time. Mm, you know, we yeah. played on concrete roads, for example, and yeah. I was in goals quite a lot because I loved being in goals and I was diving about on concrete without a care in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, 
playing with older guys, yeah. playing with younger guys, playing with girls joined yeah. in. You know, so people go on now about women's football and equality. It was happening 20 years ago. Yeah. We just we, we yeah. just didn't know it and we didn't yeah. recognise it. Yeah. So nowadays you don't see it yeah. very often, which is a shame. Yeah. But again, cultural and social circumstances mm. have di- dictated that to an extent. Mm. Um, and I think actually, just to touch back on lockdown briefly with it, I was thinking yesterday, I was walking and I seen a lot of kids out on their own with their mates and their, had their phones now. And I thought, one thing at lockdown is it's, it's probably got younger people mm. closer together because they've mm. missed each other so much. And I think it's made the elder people or the older people, if you like, look out a little bit more for mm. everybody. Um, so that's a, that's a positive thing, but I understand why, yeah. you know, it's not yeah. as common as it used to be. Yeah. I, you know, I often think, I was speaking to someone else about this, you know, about as well as learning the game, when you're playing with your mates. I, you know, I travelled a lot when, you know, in my teenage years, really, and that ability to talk about football, I could go to any country in the world and people knew Kenny Dalglish and Graham Souness. And if you could play football, you immediately made mates straight away. And I think it's an unbelievable gift football gives you, isn't it? It is. You know, <clears throat> you know, I, you know I remember being in Spain and um, my dad and brother were going to the new camp yeah. on a family holiday. And again, taxi driver, you know, wants to talk about football. Now, you might not have heard of Hibs yeah. or whoever, but you've certainly heard of Rangers and Celtic. Yeah, so yeah. you've got an instant connection, and then you'll move on to maybe Steve Archibald because he's yeah. Scottish. So the conversation grows, and, yeah. and you, you find a common denominator that you can chat about, be it five minutes or yeah. one hour. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a wonderful thing to be involved in. And you, a wonderful thing that you meet people, know someone, and eventually you'll get up back to know. someone of the original um, yeah. starting point. Uh, so it is, it's great, it's wonderful um, on the social side and, and also learning about other things in other places yeah. as well. Yeah, superb. And, you know, when you were coming into the, the, the youth professional setup, what coaches influenced you? Who influenced you through that? When you were growing up, um, well, I had a huge influence, non-professional, from um, Hutchie Vale in Edinburgh, yeah. and also I moved to Dungeon United as a fifteen-year-old. Okay. So um, before I went full time at Hibs, yeah. and that's a different story. But yeah. I learned a lot from a lot of people. You know, I was yeah. in, I was a fifteen-year-old kid getting changed nights to guys like Morris Malpass, Dave Bowman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, managers like Tommy McLean, Billy Kirkwood, yeah. Jim McLean, goodness yeah, me, um, you know, he, he was very hands-on, yeah. very hands-on, and um, yeah, he, they were all huge influences on me. Mm. When I went into the, the the youth team at Hibs, obviously Donald Park was the manager, yeah. he was also my Scotland under-16 assistant manager, mm. so he, he was a huge influence, but yeah. I was very, very fortunate to have so many um, you know, Ross Maffey, George Mackey, all really intelligent men in football. Yeah. Um, but overall, Donald was the yeah. one who really, at that age, is kind of taking you under his wing, trying mm-hmm. to help you get into the first team. Um, you know, so I'd be doing yeah. Donald a disservice, a huge disservice, if I didn't um, yeah. say that Donald was the one that taught me um, yeah. to, up to that point um, by far the biggest influence. Yeah, brilliant. And what was it about? Parky, that you know that influenced you. How how in what ways did you influence you in the game? Again, 
cultures have changed. And, yeah. You know, and there was those Donald or was in that youth team or worked with Parky around that time. Yeah. Um, Donald had a brilliant knack of being old school but yeah. evolving into new yeah. school a wee bit. Yeah. Um, we all got a dig in the arm now and again and a yeah. kick up the ass now yeah. and again. Um, but it was all when you look back, built you know, building us yeah. up, make sure our jobs were done properly, make yeah. sure we didn't slack off. Teaching, yeah. just teaching us a bit of discipline and a little yeah. bit of respect. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously on the football side of it, he was excellent at one on ones. He would mm. maybe let you play, you know, nine v nine for twenty minutes at the end of training, but then he would maybe pull one or two of us and show us things, and then you yeah. take that into your, um, sort of try and take that into your head, and then yeah. in your next session or your you yeah. Have you been always, I always get the impression Ian, that you were always pretty kind of single-minded and, and disciplined about where you wanted to go as well. Were, were, were you always like that or did other people help you? Um, I was think, I was actually discussing this with an ex-teammate of mine the other day mm. actually because we grew up in the same team mm. um, and I don't think... I, would, I think we're pre pretty fair saying neither of mm. us were the best players in the team. Mm. We had a lot of good players in that team. Mm. Um, but I was the first one to leave Hutchieville. Right. Believe it or not, I was probably... Yeah, I wasn't sought after. I wasn't mm. coveted by many clubs, mm. but Dungeon United offered me the chance to mm. move to the... Um, uh, at the time it was the SPF or the SPL uh, Youth Initiative League in the West. Yeah. Yeah. And it was quite a big thing. Yeah. But, I'd, but I'd done it. And I and back at the time I can't remember it being a huge decision for me. Yeah. But I, I still took that initial step mm. and broke away from my friends. Yeah. Um, from a team that I enjoyed, a successful team that was mm. going to be even more successful. Mm. But I felt that was the right thing to do. Mm. And then further on in my career, when I was asked to go in by Hibs, I had to make the decision to leave Dungeon United, and there was a yeah. bit of complications in that at the time. But I, it still was. I still it was there. You go. Um, and then again, for the Dermot career, when I went to Rangers from Hibs, mm. that was the biggest decision I had to make. But, you know, a couple of people around me, yeah. you know, sorted that out pretty quick yeah. in terms of, yeah. no, no, this is definitely the right decision. And then, yeah, that, that was it. Because that must have been a right um, good team you were at at Hibs at that point, wasn't it? There was a lot of good players at that Hibs youth team. When, when, I, when I broke into the... When I broke into the Hibs team, it was um, I was slightly ahead of the rest of the guys like Raridan, uh, O'Connor, Thompson, Brown, Fletchers of the world. They were slightly younger than me. I, I broke into a really good Hibs team. Um, you know, we had Latapi, Sozie, um, Dirk Lehmann, David Zatelli, Gary Smiths. Good footballer, really good players. And with a great manager in Alton Cleish. Um So I broke into the, a really hard team to break into. Yeah. But once you were in, they looked mm. after you. Mm. Once they trusted you, they looked mm. after you. But I trained with the first team for about 18 months before I'd even yeah. kicked the ball. Yeah. So I'd, I'd earned the trust in training because I yeah. trained as I played. Mm. Um, and I and say Alec at the time was a young manager at a big club, hard, hard taskmaster. But mm. he, him as well, he, yeah. he really developed me um, as a player. Yeah. I, I don't think, I think he thought he maybe could have developed me more. Um, but then I think it got to a point where he probably said, like, let him, let him go with what he's got yeah. and see what happens. And then he obviously went to Rangers and resigned me. So I'd done yeah. something right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and that was, yeah. you know, that was kind of where I went. If you think to then your experiences in the youth setup, what would be the advice you would give to any young player coming through 
you know, the setups now? Oh, it's, it's a tough question because, you know, I hear a lot of kids now, 15 years old, mm. get released, say of, let's just say, um, Dundee. Yeah. Um, and you'll hear their, themselves yeah. and their parents say, oh, he's been at Dundee for eight years, you know. Yeah. And that, you know, to put it bluntly, no, he's not. Yeah, he's he's not. Yeah, <laughs> he's, just, he's just not. Yeah. Um, so I think it's about being calm, yeah. calm, um, not getting too far ahead of yourself, realizing where you need to work or what you need to work on, and also don't neglect don't neglect things you're not very good at. Yeah, because yeah. you know you can prove them a little bit, yeah. but. Um, there will be many ups and downs. You'll yeah. have ups and downs throughout your career, but especially at that age, 15, 16, 17, you're going through a lot mentally with your yeah. schoolwork, with home life. Yeah. Uh, you've also got to grow. Your body's yeah. changing. So you're going to have some terrible, terrible dips. Yeah. And it's all about, again, just being calm, regardless if you're having a fantastic period or if you're having a poor period. Yeah. Try to find that consistency level is really, really important. I think that's a great message. And I think it's a message that, isn't heard enough that word you used there, Ian, consistency. And it's quite a hard thing to say at 14, 15, 16, isn't it? Because you've got the teenage years. Plus, really, you're growing up, isn't it? And then you've got your football in the middle of it, isn't it? God. Yeah, I mean, like, <clears throat> people maybe don't realise, but for me, anyway, the ages of 15 to probably 20-ish, 21, where you feel like you're becoming a man, if you like. Yeah. I wouldn't say you miss out on anything, yeah. but you sacrifice um, certain things that other kids don't. Um, but that's a decision you make at the time. And I mean, we've all heard the stories of the guy in the pub who's the best player in the world, yeah. but yeah. nobody nobody cares, even if you were. Or you, yeah. nobody <laughs> cares. Um, it's a coulda, you know, coulda scenario. Yeah. Um, you need to be strong in the head. You need to be um, really focused on what you're doing. Yeah. And how did you find then going from Hibs to Rangers? Did you notice a change or was it really pretty natural for you? I noticed um, it was natural in the sense that I was fortunate I knew players mm, there yeah. through the Scotland setup and I knew the manager, which I'd worked with the manager mm. before. So that was important for mm. me. And Andy, Andy Watson, the assistant, mm. um, and a few other coaches that were in the background had been at Hibs in certain mm. capacities. Um Again, when I left, it was, they were, we were kind of getting back to a decent side because we had Gary O'Connor, Derek, yeah. Kevin, uh, Scott Brown. Yeah. Uh, had, you know, Rob Jones was coming in at mm -hmm. the time, but I, I left in that summer. Um, but the, obviously the standard of play at Rangers was better. There's, mm -hmm. there's no question about that. Um, you know, the facilities were better. I'd never been in, I'd never trained at a training centre before. Mm -hmm. I'd walked into Murray yeah. Park. and mm -hmm. I remember signing for Rangers um, the day I went through and I felt, Really, um, you know, as much as I loved playing for Hibs and they were my team, I was, you know, proud to, yeah. to have signed for Rangers and, mm -hmm. and felt that all my hard work um, at yeah. that point had finally, you know, got me to a yeah. level where I could, um, you know, say, oh, I've got a, you know, yeah. I've done okay now. Yeah. And I know, you know, when you went to Rangers there, you, you, you know, you had challenge with the injuries. How, how did you get through that? You know, how hard was it and how did you get through it? Yeah, it was a very strange, I mean, I only had one injury, yeah. and it wasn't even an injury, quite frankly. Yeah. I remember I'd, I'd done a lot of travelling in that summer. Mm. I'd been to Paris to watch the mm. Champions League final, because Arsenal had gotten it, and I was mm. an 
Arsenal support at the time, or I liked them. Um, I'd been to Greece, mm. I'd been to Japan with the national yeah. team, and we were in South Africa with Rangers, and I'd been fine. I had a wee sore knee, a wee, just a wee twinge, it was nothing major mm. or anything like that. But I remember we, we stopped at a, a stopover on the way home from South Africa, and I felt flu just knackered. By the time I got back to Edinburgh, um, the next day I woke up and you know, my body was just stiff as a board. Mm. You know, go, what's going on? Um, and then it just sort of, it never really got any worse. Mm. It was just the same. And I couldn't do anything. And it was we were actually, <coughs> we were actually playing Middlesbrough on the Saturday in a friendly. And I, I tried to train on the mm. Friday. That's my mentality. You know, yeah. I was trying. Ah. I just had to pull my hand up and say, this is, you know, I'm miles away. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was diagnosed as a sort of, a, you know, reactive arthritis, mm. if you like. Um, and I was told it could take six months to two years. Yeah. Luckily for me, it was six months. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it disappeared as quickly as it came. Cool. Yeah. Um, so really bizarre feeling. Um, and I've touched wood, I've never had any yeah. problems with it since. Yeah, great. How hard was it to deal with it at the time? Or was it something, especially like that, you said it just came, but it lasted for a while. How did mentally you get through every day? Did you think it would change or did you have to just be patient? Yeah, I always I always believed it would change. I never yeah. I never thought I mean it's probably it was probably worse for my wife, mm. my family, my mum, mm. my dad to see it rather than myself, because I mm. felt it'll go away. Brilliant. I, I'm 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 twenty four. Yeah. You know, I'm not ninety four. Mm. So I didn't panic, and uh, you know, maybe there was days I had days yeah. when I was down, and yeah. God, well, this ever, you know, there was yeah. there was days I couldn't open the door. Yeah. And again, when I went back into the group, the, the players they were saying, "Oh goodness, Ned, you were looking like an old man." And I, I yeah. didn't feel that. No, uh, uh, yeah. I didn't feel that myself. Um, but I just again, I know it sounds silly because football is such a volatile game. But when you've got that much time on your hands mm. and that much thinking time, it, you just have to stay calm and yeah. believe that you'll yeah. believe that you'll get better. Yeah. And if you know, if you don't, then um, of course it would be it'd be a, ter- a terrible situation. But you, yeah. you can't you know think like that when you're when you're trying to get better. You can't think you're not going to yeah. get better. I know, um, I know, and I was surrounded by great medical people as well. Yeah. I was very fortunate. Yeah. I, I I think it's a very level-headed approach, though, as well, because I I you know I, as well as the football, I've worked in you know downhill Olympic skiing, and a lot of these guys and women are you know are, have bad injuries and come back, and you notice how the ones get through it. That, like you said, there it's almost stoic in terms of I believe I'll get there and I'll deal with every day as it comes. And uh, I think when you look at dealing with injuries, especially for young players now, it's uh, because the medical profession, and uh, we notice more now. Would you say we notice more in terms of our body, what could go wrong in the game? Yeah, I think I think we're we notice more because we're probably everybody's a little bit well, not everybody, a vast majority now are, a bit, are more self-conscious of how yeah. they look. Gyms, even you know, gyms yeah. weren't around twenty, you know, yeah. like, like they are now. They weren't around twenty-five years yeah. ago, or they were just yeah. becoming yeah. things. Um, so, I, I think we are. I think mm. we definitely are, um, and I, I think we're also getting more care as well. Yeah. I think with more information comes more yeah. care, comes more remedies, mm. comes more answers, if you like. Yeah. Um, so, 
overall, we're definitely mm-hmm. noticing more. Um, but again, we're getting we're getting a lot of help from yeah. you know, like gyms opening up, for example, has has helped people get fit. They're helping you with nutrition if you want. They're doing mm-hmm. single plans, group plan. You know, it's, it's all out there yeah. now. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Do you think when you look back, Ian, you know, from you know the before we move on from the injury, that I think that going through that allows you to empathise with your players now that are going through an injury, you know, especially something that's longer term. Yeah, I mean, I last season with a young player who had lots of talent, um, looked okay probably to the mm. naked eye. <coughs> Excuse me, um, but he was telling me something wasn't quite right. Yeah, and I knew the area of the body. I'd had a similar issue. Mm. I knew something wasn't right with me in that mm. time, and nobody would tell me what it was. Yeah. So the poor guy ended up going to different opinions. Again, not the people that told him's fault, but you know, it's just mm. the way his head was thinking at the time. And um, I, rem- I remember taking him into the office before a game, and I said, "Look, I'm going to make this easy for you." Mm. you're done in terms of I'm not I'm not selecting you period mm. I want you to go away and get your injury sorted out yeah. and the relief I could see yeah. it off him he came in the door really low he bounced out the door yeah. and that's exactly what I needed at the time and when yeah. I got told my diagnosis of my hip when I was 29-30 mm. I'll never forget the doctor saying there's good news and bad news the good news is you're not lying and I thought yeah. cheeky but never mind <laughs> He said the bad news is your hip's pretty done yeah. in terms of um, you can still manage it, but long term, he says that's going to need a complete mm. replacement. Yeah. Um, but I was delighted because I was like, oh, you knew. God, yeah. it's not in my head. You know, I yeah. can feel it. I knew I wasn't right. Yeah. I knew it. Um, so I learned from my experience, I learned to deal with that with my player last season. Yeah. and fingers crossed I believe what I'm hearing is coming back absolutely superb oh, so I'm really yeah. delighted for him. That's a great example of that as well so from there from your playing were you always interested in coaching here? Were you always interested, did you always have an interest in, in coaching? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say interested in coaching because I didn't really understand what coaching mm. was mm. Um, even as a player yeah. so you, you get coached um, you know, Alec McLeish was great for me, centre half for Scotland, centre mm. half for Aberdeen, yeah. man mountain of a guy. Yeah. Experience, you know, mm. coming out of his ears, won the league's mm. cups. So he, he used to coach me. I mm. didn't know, I, you know, I knew he was trying to get me better, mm. um, but I didn't really understand the sort of delicacies of it all. And, yeah. you know, the delicate areas that, you know, silly, tiny little things that would save me a lot of bother later on in my career. Mm. Um, mm. It was only really until about, Maybe, yeah, 29-ish, I started to really realise things were evolving because by that point I was back at Hibs and yeah. they had transformed from being a team that went to training public parks to a training centre with you know, sports science, jacuzzis, yeah. you know, steam rooms. Yeah. Again, progression, progression, yeah. and with that we all learned as well. <laughs> Great. And how did you make the transition into coaching from playing? What was your decision-making there? Again, just again, you could go back to be single-mindedness, yeah. a little bit of luck, a little bit of whatever. I was actually out of contract at Hibs. I'd been training with Dunfermline for a number of weeks. So, you know, it was one of the ones. Yeah, we want to sign. Yeah. We want to sign. Nothing ever came. Yeah. Um, 
Griffin wanted me to go and play a couple of games for them. Mm. My hip was sore. Didn't feel great. And I thought, oh, God, I want to go and play. And, you know, one last hurrah. Mm. Um, and I did. I went and played for them for a game. I actually played. Mm. I played as well as I could have played. Yeah. And I played well. But we got beat and I thought, oh, God, this is, you know. And I'd, I'd actually committed to go to the States for three yeah. months. With my, I had a contact over there, and I've always wanted to go and coach kids in the states. Yeah. For the various reasons, I never got the opportunity over the summer, like you know, getting married, having kids, mm. you know, going on holiday. Yeah. Just you know, so I got a call out the blue from a guy called Matt Brown, and uh, he offered me a sort of eight to nine week period of coaching yeah. the kids. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't sure because it was a visa was problem with someone else. So whenever yeah. I got that sorted out, I would yeah. go. So. Um, I went over there for, um, it ended up being 10 weeks, and then I had a two-week holiday yeah. with the kids in, yeah. uh, down in um, Florida. Yeah. And that was part of the kind of deal that I could get to go and do it. So um, when I was there, I, I again, I just I applied for two jobs um, in the States. So I checked BBC Sport, Scotland, as you do, and two, I see ah. two jobs were up. So I applied for two. I didn't get a reply from one. Yeah. Um, and then Dumbarton was the other one. Yeah. I, I honestly, I honestly applied um, purely to test the water of where I was. Yeah. So when I got a call back to say we'd like to interview mm. you, I, I was like, oh, well, now we've got a problem because I'm in America. Yeah. <laughs> um, so did my interest look genuine? Did it not? Yeah. I wasn't sure. I mean, yeah. it was. Yeah. Um, and then I said, look, I'm really happy. Delighted to be offered an interview, but unfortunately, you know, my family's flying over next yeah. week. I'm not back for three weeks or two yeah. weeks. Um, I thank you for your time, but yeah. that's the end of it. And uh, they said, look, we need to move on. I said, no yeah. problem. Yeah. And then I got a call about 10 days later. Are you still interested? I said, well, of course, but you know yeah. my situation. Yeah. Um, so they said, no, it's okay. We'll wait. And I said, well, okay. so yeah. can you come on Tuesday night? And I said, yeah. I'm sorry, I fly in too late to get there on uh, Tuesday. I'll come Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and I was the manager by Thursday. So brilliant. And, 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 and the, uh, uh, we were moving house on the Saturday because yeah. I was out of work. Yeah. Suddenly, I said, "I was delighted." But I said, uh. Uh, "That's me. I've got a game. <laughs> got a game. I've went from nothing to everything." Um, and I'd signed as player manager there, but I knew I was going to struggle with that. Yeah. Um, but I felt I could give them enough as manager to. Yeah. Um, to justify it and, and that yeah. was the start of it really yeah. did you did you really enjoy you know being the manager there straight away did you enjoy everything about that the whole role I, I enjoyed it um, once it was once I was sitting down in the office mm. and I had my own thoughts I enjoyed it but I also remember thinking oh what do I do yeah because I have no experience of this yeah. we're in the championship as well you know we're at a decent yeah. level don't get me wrong, we're rooted to the bottom of the league mm -hmm. and we were, the, the boys were struggling and mm -hmm. whatever. But I thought, we're in the championship. You know, we, we, we really, really need to make sure the players realise they deserve to be where they are. Mm -hmm. And regardless of what anybody says about mm -hmm. Scottish football, mm -hmm. Premier League, we are in the second tier of our mm -hmm. national sport. It, it was that simple for me. So yeah. to get the belief into the players that you are where you are because you deserve to be where you are. Mm -hmm. You yeah. Don't be scared. Don't are you thinking anyone's better than you? Of course, there's teams that are going to beat you and yeah. players that will do this. But we are here and we can get out of this situation yeah. that we're in. Yeah. And then the weather was 
the weather was really bad um, that year in Scotland over the winter. Because I was up end of October or, two, or mm. November, I took that job. We played Hamilton in the Scottish Cup. Mm. Hamilton were top of the league or second top, and they beat us three one. But they gave us a good hide in that night. Mm. And I remember Billy Reid sent me after the game, he was being polite, I think, when he puffed his cheeks and said, Oh, hard work down here. And I was like, and we played them six weeks later and beat them 2 0. And he he was yeah. like, Oh, what have you done? And I yeah. said, Honestly, Billy, I've done nothing. Yeah. Well, all I've done is I've structured, I've sorted them out in terms of yeah. um I've got them a couple of things, but we had it was the same team. Yeah. It's the same team. Yeah. Um so that belief let us go on a, gave me a great, we went one four out of our first five against the yeah. top five. Oh, yeah. <coughs> it gave us a huge belief. It must have given you a belief in, as well, that you could do it as well, Ian, did it? Getting that it start. It, it, it probably gave me, <coughs> sorry, again, yeah. it probably gave me, um, uh, yeah, the belief that w- how mm. I thought football was because, yeah. As much as I played in great teams, you know, at Hibs and Rangers and, mm. and stuff, I wouldn't say I played in a team that was coached in any way, apart from Tony Mowbray's team, which was really good yeah. football. We weren't coached in any way to play great football. We were yeah. coached to win. Yeah. You know, and that's where I did realise coaching. Yeah. Everything to me was how do we win the game on the Saturday yeah. as a player. Um, and as a manager, I was the same. We all like to see lovely football. We all want to get the ball mm. about, but you know, we weren't that team at Dumbarton. We mm. had get up to the top end of the pitch as quick as we can because in the top end, we could play good football, but mm. to get there for us was really difficult. Mm. Um, and that's kind of where I am still now with that because um, you have to work with the players you have and mm. you have to, you know, play football to the league you're in. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 don't, I don't have a huge urge to change that overnight, but... Mm. You know, progression will come. I just think um, that particular period in that club gave me, um, again, a, a real sense of calmness because we weren't yeah. a team that won every week. Yeah. So we had to deal with getting beat, and we, we did deal with that. Once yeah. you can, def- once you deal with with defeat and acceptance of defeat, yeah. it actually progresses you f- further down the line. There's yeah. many. You look at Liverpool, for example. Five yeah. years not won the league for thirty years because it's taken them so many. Yeah. Uh, defeats and so many disappointments, but they they got there in the end. Yeah, I think I think that's a great point you're making. You know, I was speaking to James McPeak about a month or so ago, and he was speaking about that in, in terms of learning to deal with defeat as a manager, learning as well because the emotions there, isn't it? You know, a huge emotion. And the question I suppose to ask you is, what do you think the difference? How did you feel a difference between feeling the emotions between success? And winning and losing, was it different as a coach to a player? Yeah, it's totally different <clears throat> every week, mm-hmm. every day, really, because what you want out of a session might be what the players, you know, they can go home and you're analysing because it's yeah. your session. Yeah. You go, nah, why did I not do this? Why did I not do that? Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, that was really bad. Yeah. That looked, players look like they were bored, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. And it's the same as a, a manager. I think. Um, I learned to deal with the, with the wins as well, quite calmly. Um, yeah. Because I was so tired after games. You know, yeah. if we were running 3 0 a few minutes yeah. ago, my first thought wasn't how many beers can I drink. My first thought was, I'm getting down that tunnel first because there's only three baths. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, and now, as a manager, I go in and we win and I go, <sighs> yeah. you know, relax, relief. 
and then yeah. I'm and then I check the opposition straight away for next week. How did they get yeah. on? Yeah. What formation did they play? So my, yeah. you know, I probably get a bigger kick on the Sunday than I do on the Saturday night yeah. Yeah. because I've had a sleep and I'm, I've, I've watched the game back and I've seen yeah. good points, but I've also seen bad points that we can yeah. work on. Yeah. Um, you know, so totally different as a as a uh, manager to a player, but. Um, I think I think you have to do that though, Ian. A lot of ways is it, because if not, you're on that total emotional roller coaster, aren't you? Between and it's far less. Although you're the manager, it's you're not on the park, isn't it? You're you. It's less controllable, isn't it? Than, oh, it's it is. You know, people will say, well, the manager you know can do this. That what the manager can do in that ninety minutes, yes, he can make a decision. Some yeah. a player on, so it might work, it might not. Yeah. If it works, brilliant. If it doesn't, yeah. it's your fault, you know. But yeah. you're not in control at all. Yeah. And you're actually sometimes in a worse position than the fans because you're seeing it at a level. Sometimes all you see is heads and bodies. You don't see the, the overview of mm-hmm. space, time, decisions. Um, and you can get wrapped up in mm-hmm. something that might look really obvious in the stand can look really, really close down where I am. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you've you've shot off at the linesman, you've shot off at the referee, yeah. and you look it back and you go, "Oh God, no, that was a, they were right, you yeah. know, they were right." Yeah. Um, so to try and keep calm in that ninety minutes is really really difficult. Yeah. And after the games, I'm exhausted. Yeah, I'm I can abs- imagine. I feel like I've, I feel like I've, my my body's tensed up. I feel like I've kicked yeah. every ball. Um, so. I don't think that'll ever leave me. I've seen yeah. managers who are very, very calm on the sideline, but you know it tends to be the guys who are top of the league. Yeah, that's a good point. That is, I'm, I'm very calm and controlled when I'm at the top. Yeah, yeah. How have you found? How did you? If we skip on them, we were speaking and about you being in, in Norway. How did you find the different culture when you went over to Norway and and worked over there? Yeah, brilliant, brilliant place actually. Um, it's again. Again, maybe it goes back to single-mindedness because mm. when Kev, I'm speaking to Kevin Nicholl, yeah. obviously took me over, mm. and a lot of people over there and a lot of British people were saying mm. it takes about two years to adapt to the culture. Mm. Probably took me about six to seven months. Mm. And just before I came back, actually, out of the blue as well, I was getting into a real Norwegian lifestyle mm. and really starting to say, right, well, this this could be it. Mm. You know, this could be where I am for the rest mm. of my life because it's yeah. a great place to be. Yeah. Um, it's not far from the United Kingdom. Yeah. Um, football's good. Got, I was working with Kevin, who was superb yeah. in what he'd done. I was working with good people. Mm. Um, so culturally, you know, it is completely and utterly different. It mm. really is. But it's, it's really, really interesting as well. What's different about it? You know, what would you say the main points, if you could pull anyone out? <laughs> Um, oh, it's a hard one to describe, Norway. I can't remember the commandments mm. that they live by, but there's a, a, a nation, as a nation, they live by these commandments. And yeah. One of them I remember is humbleness. You know, never think mm. you're better than anyone. Yeah. And they take that to the letter over there. Yeah. You know, they 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 don't care how good you are. If yeah. you're not a good person, you can forget it. You can oh. you can you can just you can leave the country. You know. Yeah. You're not wanted, so yeah. they have very, very strict rules um, that work. Yeah. People are, I wouldn't say people are petrified to break them, but people are so respectful yeah. that they won't, they won't break them. Um, 
and and the and the, the playing side and the and the player side, I found what they wanted was constant information, mm. um, constant mm. analysis. Not always positive. They wanted to yeah. know their bad points. Yeah. They were very strong people, very single-minded. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really, really good nation. Um, obviously, fell away a little bit football-wise, like Scotland. Yeah. Um, but they seem to be creeping up again, which is good. So if we are kind of, I know you're in the, at Airdrie just now managing as well. So when you look back, because I think you've had a lot of experience already, Ian, you know, and, and it's it's superb really, isn't it? Because I don't know if you agree with this. I, I don't think you can shortcut experience either in playing or in coaching, isn't it? You have to, you have to yeah. go through a lot of different things, I think. I mean, I obviously got the, the, the Dumbarton job, um, a rookie manager, mm. and probably people thought, oh, da, 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 da. and I accept that, you know, I look at it and go, God, I was very fortunate. Mm. Within that job, I made millions of mistakes mm. out of the spotlight. You know, it was Dumbarton, yeah. nobody, I made some shocking decisions, mm. um, but it was, you know, getting them out of me. Then I went to St. Mary, made yeah. more mistakes yeah. um, there um, in the spotlight. Yeah. So, you know, I was out of work for maybe what would it have been about I think it was about a year. Mm. Um I wouldn't say I lost my I didn't lose my hunger or my belief, but I needed a step back. Yeah. I'd actually ref- knocked back a couple of jobs at mm. the time. But number one, I thought it was above them, which was completely wrong when I look back. And number two, um my energy wasn't there. My yeah. energy just my drive wasn't there. So going over to Norway gave me huge hunger. Mm. Um, a complete nobody knew me. So I got away from people yeah. speaking to me yeah. or you know, at games, the fans don't interact yeah. like they do over here. Yeah. Um and then that kind of gave me the belief again uh, and at the point where I actually thought or I was thinking about my Norwegian culture and lifestyle that eighteen months. I actually remember not long again before I came back because I'd knocked back a couple of jobs and I'd also been knocked back for a job about six months before that it actually it hurt me at the time because my, my father had passed away and all this stuff so I was kind of looking to maybe you know, get back closer to home. Um, and then obviously the, the early job came out, came out the absolute blue and I had to make the decision, what did I want to do? I want to be a football manager because if you keep knocking jobs back or not going for jobs, then you don't want to be one. Um, and you're, or you can sit here and you know see what happens. But I made a decision early, you know, early in my head of that brief conversation I had with myself that I needed to be a manager again, yeah. and that's what I wanted to do. Brilliant. I think it's a great example here, which you've just said of, you know, emotional intelligence or you trusting your energy, you know, about where you want to go and what you're doing. And I think it's. Sometimes it's so useful, isn't it, for us to get out of the place we're used to, whether it's a country or a culture, and go and, and almost, it's, it's a cliche, and it's a cliche because it's true, you know, and get back in touch with what you live again and redefine yourself without anyone watching and commenting. And I think it's a brilliant journey you've been on. Yeah, it was, it's quite, I was, again, I was speaking to my friend a lot about these things, and I've had three managerial jobs, obviously one assistant asker. I've actually got two of these jobs being out of the country yeah. um, by removing myself for yeah. whatever reason, yeah. you know, and I've come back in and it feels like when you do that, you know, I'd finished at St. Marin, had a, mm. a bad time there, removed myself, got, mm. got away from yeah. all the nonsense of 
you know, people wanting to dig at you and all yeah. this, this, this just utter nonsense. Yeah. And when you come back, you feel, you feel your energy's changed, it's different, yeah. and the mistakes that you've done in the past are, I wouldn't say irrelevant, but they're not, I mean, we don't dwell on mistakes because yeah. there's no point because you need to go forward with your new team. And, um, you know, it's a, it was at the time a big move yeah. for me, even going to the States for three months. Yeah. Um, and then Norway for 18, but it's worked out for me. So, um, you know, I can only, I can only, you know, tell people good things yeah, about it, really. Great. And just to finish with, have you had any, I suppose, messages or, or to players making that transition to managing and coaching, which is a difficult one for a lot of people? What would, the, what would be your message for, for guys thinking about going to coaching and managing from playing? Yeah, I think, um, you know, with experience, um, you know, we, we all, we, of course, we need certain, we need certain um, sort of badges to get, yeah. to, to get jobs or apply for jobs. But, you know, it's like anything, don't get too yeah. ahead of yourself, you yeah. know, you, you need, you need a job, get what you need, yeah. get your mistakes or try and get your mistakes yeah. out as quick as you can, yeah. not as many as, <laughs> um, as I did. Um you know, and don't don't get too wrapped up. But you know, we've got everything now. We've got social yeah. media. We've got football on the telly all the time. We've got yeah. people talking about it, newspapers. It's, truthfully, what anybody else is doing yeah. is completely and utterly irrelevant. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can take little nitpicks from everybody, but you know, it's you need to be sure in your mind of what you're doing. And if you let other people influence, um, yeah. then it's going to it's going to cause you a lot of problems. And I think that's when it comes down to the most important thing, keep your circle tight, really mm. as tight as possible. Mm. Um, um, and and realise the ones mm. around you who, who you want to be around you and who, who've got your back as well. Oh, yeah. So I really appreciate it. That's a great message to finish on. And I'll let you get off your run now, Lydia. Cheers, Enjoy mate. that. Cheers. Thanks, John. Uh, Thank you.